Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network, and this is our quarterback and tight end off-season stock watch episode for the 2023 NFL fantasy season. Here to break it down with me at one of the top rankers in the game, the odds maker, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? Welcome back from uh, overseas. What's up? Yeah, happy to be back. I had a blast. Um, but now I really need a vacation because uh, I'm exhausted from it. But uh, yeah, happy to start diving into projections and uh, talk some football. All right. So uh, and you went to you so you went to Spain and oh, Portugal. Oh yeah, yeah. Spain yeah you got to tell the listeners where you're yeah, at, man. Fantastic. <laughs> like Spain and Portugal. If you haven't been there, go check it out. Had an amazing time. All right. Yeah. So we're we're gonna um we're gonna get into quarterbacks and tight ends this week. You know, real early ADP. Um, you know, the FFPC, there's uh, there's best ball. So we do have some ADPs to kind of work off of. And we're just going to go through uh, our top undervalued quarterbacks and tight ends and our top overvalued quarterbacks uh, and tight ends at this early juncture of the offseason for anybody that's uh, starting to draft now or just starting to prepare for the upcoming season. So let's kick it off. At the quarterback position, who you like as undervalued uh out out here in uh, late may uh so i'm going with anthony richardson believe it or not at qb16 i guess off the top i should say you know deciding which adp we're using is kind of tricky right now it's all over the place so i'm looking at recent best ball drafts i think that's the best indicator sort of where these guys are going and right now um he's going around qb15 qb16 um since the draft um and i think that that sounds fair because you know his stock is way up after the draft you know, the the Colts took him fourth overall. Uh, I just thought that was an amazing landing spot for him. Um, you know, he gets a play under uh, Shane Steichen, uh, who helped develop Jalen Hurts. Um, but more importantly, you know, when it comes to projections, he should start sooner than later. You know, heading into the draft, uh, the two teams favored to take him were the Titans and Seahawks. 
Um, if you're on either team, it'd be really difficult to project them for more than, you know, two to three games, just because both those teams already have established starters. Um, so he would likely need an injury uh, to, to play anything more than that. Um, that's not the case with the Colts, though. You know, he, he's going to have to leapfrog Gardner Minshew, uh, who was brought in, probably doesn't have too long of a leash if he does start the season. Um, so I'm projecting Richardson closer to 14 games. So that's that's just a massive, massive jump um, when it comes to his rookie season. Um, so, you know, I think if he plays more than 15 games, he obviously has top 10 upside, potentially top five, just given his his rushing upside. Um, and while he could be kind of shaky as a passer to start his career, that could just force him to lean on his legs even more. We love that in fantasy. You know, we love our rushing stats. So I think just QB 16 is too low for him. He obviously has a wide range of outcomes, um, but, you know, I, I just love his upside. And this is sort of the range where I do target quarterbacks who have a massive ceiling. So I think uh, right now QB 16 is too low. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, this year, especially you look at the quarterbacks, there's not those kind of slam dunk guys that we've even had last year. I mean, I remember last year we were getting Jared Goff as like a QB 27 or something yeah. like that. Uh, you know, Mariota even was a guy who, who outperformed his ADP yeah. Daniel Jones. We all were on Justin Fields, Jalen. Like this year, it, it's a lot uglier. I think once you get outside that top, you know, 13, 14, 15. So yeah, you know, Richardson is kind of that guy that, you know, if there's going to be a guy that's going to, he's going to need some, like some variance there, obviously, but that rushing potential and that rushing upside, that's what always does it. And even with the rookies, there's not a lot of those guys like Stroud and Young aren't like, you know, straight up scrambling quarterbacks the way uh, Richardson is. So yeah, I love it. Uh, for me, it is Geno Smith. He's going around QB 15. And I think he's actually going to be pretty consistent this year. He was last year. He was the QB five overall last year, seven in points per game. And he only finished outside the top 20 one time all season. So he's not just giving you, uh, you know, steady week to week or high end week to week production, but he's extremely consistent. And I think it could be even better because you're talking about adding the top wide receiver in the draft in Jackson Smith, Nujigba, and you already have Lockett, you already have Metcalf and Gino, what kind of goes underrated with him, which is why I like him, especially this year where quarterback is kind of ugly is he was eighth in rushing yards per game for quarterbacks. And he averaged 21 and a half per game. So that's, really valuable you know he's not a true scrambling quarterback but he was using his legs uh, a lot last year and when you look at his schedule his schedule is also pretty favorable he doesn't face a defense that finished in the top 10 in pass defense dvoa until week 12 against the 49ers now that is a, a pretty tough stretch he has uh, from week 12 to 15 he faces the niners twice in there cowboys eagles but but beyond that the schedule looks pretty favorable uh and you know, he got better or his supporting cast got better mm -hmm. from last year. So uh, I like him. Uh, I think QB 15 is too high for a guy that uh, only finished outside the top 13, five times, Re almost, he was essentially a, a pretty good lock for QB one uh, most yep. weeks that he suited up. So like me some Gino here. Yeah. He, I mean, he was one of the biggest surprises of 2022. Um, and I, I had him as a big winner from the draft. You know, they, like I said, Seahawks could have drafted, um, Anthony Richardson that could have complicated things and instead you know they drafted Jackson Smith and the Jigba so he has one of the best wide, wide receiver trios in the league potentially so yeah love that 
All right, give me another one. Uh, so I'm going with our boy, Jared Goff. Um, you know, he's going QB 15, um, which is fair. You know, he finishes a QB 10 last season. Um, but, you know, there was a chance the offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, was going to get plucked by another team to go be a head coach somewhere else. But the fact that he's staying is just fantastic news for Goff. And I think that helps him give him a high floor. Um, but Goff, you know, he has some sneaky upside as well this season. He could improve on last year's numbers. Um, you know, he threw 29 touchdowns last year, despite the fact the Lions offense scored 52 offensive touchdowns. Um, you know, he lost some potential touchdowns to Jamal Williams and just, you know, the Lions scoring a ton of um, touchdowns on the ground. So uh, with just some simple positive regression, <laughs> he could throw for 30 to 35 touchdowns this year. Um, just with the fact that Jamal Williams is gone and, you know, th this offense should still be very potent um, and love the Lions draft for him. You know, they drafted Jameer Gibbs, who is an excellent pass catching back. Um, Sam Laporta, who I'm going to talk about later, uh, I'm very high on, you know, as the potential TJ Hawkinson replacement. Um, and while it's not ideal, Jamison Williams will Jamison Williams will miss the first six games. It's not like Goff had him last year anyway. So right. um, once once Jamison Williams comes in the mix again, that's going to unlock uh, Goff ceiling potentially. So QB fifteen seems pretty fair, but I just love that range given his you know pretty high floor ceiling combo. Oh, I love Jared Goff. Like you stole both of the guys that I like. Those are my top two, but you got into the our outline <laughs> before with Richardson and yeah. Goff. So. Uh, but I love God. And I think his stock went up after the draft uh, and after the schedule release as well, because mm. you know, the thing with Jared Goff is like the knock on him always has been cold weather games, outdoors <laughs> late in the year. You know, those are the games he struggles in last year, indoors, 271 passing yards and 2.2 passing touchdowns per game, but outdoors just 244 yards and under a touchdown per game. Well, this year, Four of his last five games on the road are indoors. And he's only got one, at this point, it looks like one true cold weather game. Uh, and that is going to be at the Bears in week 14. He plays the Packers at Lambeau early in the year uh, in September. I think it's week four. So that shouldn't be a mm. massively cold weather game. He's got a game at Baltimore earlier in the year. That shouldn't be super cold either. So I think the schedule sets up really well for him. And uh, I think the even the first three weeks, because, you know, once you get outside those top eight, yeah. nine guys, you're probably you're looking for guys like there you could stream. And so if you're going to draft a guy like the, the most valuable guys are going to be the guys who have the most value early on. And he starts Kansas City, Seattle, Atlanta. Those are three, Damn. three <laughs> excellent uh, potential shootout type of matchups for golf. So I think, yeah, I, I really like that. Uh, really like golf as well. Uh, and yeah, as I mentioned, you know, you stole two, my two guys. So I'm going to go a little bit more off the map. These guys are more kind of speculative, but they do have some upside. Um, and they are kind of, they're right now, they're the QB one on the depth chart. Now, will that stay for the whole year? Who knows? But you kind of have, if they play well, they're going to stay QB one. So that's where you kind of get the upside from. Uh, and they're going to kill their ADPs. And that's Desmond Ritter at QB 30. You know, he's one of the few quarterbacks going down there that does have some decent rushing upside. He scrambles about eight to 10% of the time, averaged 16 rushing yards per game in four starts, but it could have been even a little more than that. Um, some, a few of his scrambles went for like fewer yards than you would expect. Uh, but, you know, just throwing a pitch, London, Bijan, uh, Patterson, they added John Smith, one of the best offensive lines 
So I think Ritter is sneaky. Um, you know, if he starts off well, I think he's going to, he could, you know, make even more starts than Mariota, I think made 13 last year. Um, so it, it's kind of, it's still a risk because, you know, they do have Heineke behind them. If he falters, uh, I, I do think you will see Heineke, but if you're, you're like a QB 30, you're kind of playing for upside. And I think Ritter, he's going to beat out a lot of these other pocket passers and, and, you know, finish closer, you know, he'll be in the mid range, I think QB two range. Um, if he, if he can keep the job all year and a similar guy is Sam Howell, uh, he's going one spot after Ritter at QB 31, but you know, he scrambled 12% of the time in his only start 14% of the time in the preseason. And you got a new offensive coordinator there, Eric B who has been in Kansas city. He's never called plays, but he's, they've been pass heavy in Kansas city. Um, and Howell does kind of, you know, he's a guy who can throw it down the field, um, he has, uh, he's another guy that has some rushing ability. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's a very, it's like a super poor man's homeless version of, of Mahomes, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if the enemy is going to just come there and, and be as, as run heavy as they were, um, at, at times last year with, with Heineke and with, uh, Carson Wentz. So, um, I think both of these guys, just because they have, you know, above average rushing ability for a quarterback, if they, if they hold on to those jobs. Uh, I do think that they will significantly outperform their ADP probably better picks for redraft than best ball because we don't, it's not a guarantee that they keep yeah. those jobs. But like, if you're in a very, you know, like a, uh, like if you want to take a shot in like a FPPC, like no one, like your, your team construction is going to be super um, unique. If you have one of those guys and they do kill. And like I said, it, it's correlated, right? If they have good seasons, they're going to keep the job. So um, I think those two guys are the two I'm kind of watching for, but it's it's slim pickings compared to to most years where we usually yeah. have like a bona fide guy that we're like he's just gonna run for a lot of yards. It, it doesn't matter how shitty he is, uh, <laughs> you know, throwing the ball. We don't really have those guys this year, so I think Ritter and Howell are, are the closest things uh, at this point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think those two guys in that range. Um, you're just going for upside in that range. Like, what are you gonna do? Take Mac Jones or Ryan Tannehill? We know those guys are you know low end QB twos right now. Um, I will be interested to see, uh, you know, once we start doing projections like Brock Purdy, Trey Lance are in, is in this range. They might be interesting. But again, we don't really know who's starting there. But like you said, both of these quarterbacks, you know, they could get benched by week three or something. So there is some downside, but there is some, you know, talent there and some certainly upside. So this range is where you kind of want to just bank on upside or yeah. buy and, in on it. And the, the the issue with the Niners situation is, Darnold is is a factor in this whole thing so it's like it it. it would be if there were just if it was just okay you know Lance is going to start till Purdy comes back and maybe Lance will open the season so he'd have a chance to keep the job that would be one thing but I keep hearing positive Darnold reports and he did have a good what is it four or five game stretch uh for the Panthers last year so I mean who knows so that that you know having three guys instead of two kind of complicates that yeah. Uh, a little bit there uh, and we really don't know who is the QB one. So right. that's, 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 that's the issue there, but you know, uh, Lance is a, they're saying he's a trade candidate. So that's also something to watch out for uh, as well. Hey, this is action network audio director, Matt Mitchell, inviting you to head into the sports betting summer with new gear. That's built to last. And our folks at shady rays, friends of the podcast, they have you covered from the sun to the slopes to out at sea with their premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company offering world-class products just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. And like our betting podcasts, 
their sunglasses offer the clearest possible optics. Shady Rays also offers the most bananas protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, even a minute after they arrive, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Basically the opposite of betting on the Oakland A's. So exclusively for our podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Uh, what about four overvalued quarterbacks? Uh, so I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, right now his, his ADP is QB9. It's kind of fluctuating a bit, but um, QB9 uh, is a bit too rich for me. You know, obviously there's a ton of hype surrounding him, you know, going to the Jets. Um, and that, that's made his price, you know, jump a bit too high, in my opinion. Just getting to throw, you know, to Garrett Wilson gives him an upgrade in weapons compared to last year. But, you know, he also brought over Al Lazard and Randall Cobb with him. So that means he's going to have a lot of the same weapons as he did last year. So um, w- when it comes to Rodgers, you know, it, it does take him time to build chemistry with, with pass catchers. So it, it makes sense he'd want to bring over some of those weapons. But um, – you know, it's one of those situations where, um, you know, it could take him a few games to, to really gel with this offense. Um, I've mentioned that before, you know, with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady on their new team, they, they were solid their first season and then they just erupted in year two. I think we could see, you know, a similar path for Rodgers. Uh, I think the one thing going in his favor certainly is he's going to be familiar with the offense under Nathaniel Hackett, you know, their offensive coordinator, who was his coordinator when he won those uh, recent MVPs in Green Bay. So I think the transition uh, with that could help. Um, but I'm just not sure, you know, Rodgers has top five upside anymore. So I don't know why you'd take him in the top 10. Plus, you know, the Jets, you, they have really good defense. They were ranked fifth in DVA last year, should be elite again this year. So I, I just don't know if he's going to have to throw a ton for the Jets to win. So, well, you know, Rodgers gives the Jets a huge upgrade at QB. I don't think this is a real huge upgrade for him in fantasy so the fact that you get jared goff a bit later uh, i'm projecting these guys almost identical um is reason why i'm just going to pass on rogers and kind of wait for a guy like jared goff yeah i completely agree because with aaron Rodgers, first of all you talk about top five upside aaron Rodgers last season no top five finishes in any week oh any week yeah any week his (laughs) highest his highest finish was seventh and that was his only finish that was higher than 12th. He was 12th or below in all but one game, with no <laughs> top five finishes. So, I mean, it, and that, it, it, like, yes, this Jet, you know, Garrett Wilson, talented player, but you mentioned it. The defense is going to be real good. And not only that, when you look at this AFC East, the defenses that he's going to have to face twice each the Bills, 
the Dolphins are pretty loaded now with Jalen Ramsey and, and Chubb. And and then you have the the Patriots, and they're always a great defense. So uh, the matchups aren't going to be great in, in a lot of these spots. And, uh, yeah, he just hasn't shown the same same type of upside. So, yeah, that, that he's uh, – I, I think I don't think he's a, a QB1 uh, right. guy that you want to – like, he's not the old Aaron Rodgers. And Hackett has never been – uh, a great play caller because he remember he wasn't calling plays in in Green Bay it was it was Lafleur so who knows you know we've seen this go bad with Hackett before um, yeah so that's true I, yeah. but again this this is probably really good news for Garrett Wilson I mean he has top five upside this season but just when it when it comes to Rodgers I don't yeah. see this really boosting Rodgers' value this year absolutely yeah I think you want to invest in in, in Wilson in, in this offense yeah not try to get cute with with Rodgers. Uh yeah, for me, I a, a guy that's overvalued, uh Kirk Cousins is going QB 11 and he's a guy, you know, naturally liking guys like Goff, guys like Richardson, Geno Smith. Kirk Cousins is a guy that bumps down a little bit for me. You know, he was the guy that did not have a top 5 finish until week 14 and he and he only had 3 all year. Um and he was kind of inconsistent and that was even with a, uh, uh, an offense that was near the top of the league in in pass attempts and now then I, then you look at okay well where do you have those top five finishes they all came against defenses that were uh, 18th or worse in DVOA last year this year he starts the year with three defenses that were in the uh, you know, in the top 15 with Tampa Bay Philly and the Chargers so like he's not going to start the year with a, incredible matchups Thielen's gone. Thielen had 31% of his touchdowns over the last three years. And I think he's gotten lucky in a way, in a sense that like last year, they were one of the healthiest teams on offense. Uh, Justin Jefferson has never missed a game. And yet Cousins is kind of like lingering here in these, in this like QB 12 ish to, to, you know, range with not that many top five finishes. Uh, and I think there's a lot more downside than upside. Like even if his median is around, you know, QB 12 ish, I think there's a lot more downside. He's been declining in his efficiency metrics every year uh, for the last few years. He's turning 35 this year. So uh, I just think last season, if he was going to put up big numbers, uh, with, with the way Justin Jefferson played, the, they had a couple of crazy like overtime games where he got added additional stats. Like if he wasn't going to you know put up better numbers than that last year, uh, I only see I see downside for him more than upside. So yeah, I'd rather have a guy like like a like a Goff, like a Geno. Uh, and even a guy like Richardson, because you can wait a little bit, even if maybe his median isn't higher, you know, you can wait a little bit and get, you know, kind of some upside there um, as opposed to drafting Cousins, you know, right outside that top 10 uh, at QB 11. Yeah, he's he's tricky because, you know, he has just a wealth of riches. He has, you know, the best receiver in the game in Justin Jefferson. He has TJ Hawkinson now. I think Addison could be better than Adam Thielen this season. Um, so he has a great supporting cast, but like you said, QB 11 is a bit rich. He doesn't offer much upside. Um, so he's not great in best ball. Certainly wouldn't want him as, you know, my QB in a QB one league, but I think two QB leagues, like super flex, super flex leagues, that's where he makes the most sense. So I think with him, it depends on the draft. Um, but I agree. I, I think, you know, QB 11 is a bit too rich just given his limited upside. All right. Who else you got? Um, I got, Oh, Another veteran QB who's on a new team this year, Derek Carr. Um, so he's QB 19, uh, which I think is a bit too rich for him because, again, he's one of those guys that doesn't present much upside. 
Um, plus, I would say he gets a downgrade in pass catching talent around him this year, in my opinion. Um, but he offers zero rushing upside. And I think, you know, with Jamal Williams uh, on the team and Taysom Hill packages around the goal line, I think that's going to hurt his uh, touch on upside. So it, it also caps his ceiling as well. So he just feels like a low floor ceiling type of guy that I, I just don't want him inside the top 20. So I think at uh, QB 19, I want nothing to do with uh, Derek Carr. Uh, another guy who had no top five finishes last year. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins is surprising. And yeah. No, he had three. Kirk Cousins had oh, three. three? Rodgers had none. Rodgers had Carr zero. And Carr. Yeah, both of the guys yeah. that you're mentioning. Um, you know, Carr, he had a couple of just outside, like a six. And, no, he only had he had a six and a nine. And that was that was really the only uh, the only ones in, in, in one other tent. So, yeah, it wasn't, no. you know, the upside wasn't great. And, and I think something that's not being talked about enough is that, you know, it's looked at as like this upgrade for New Orleans and, you know, and, and for him going there. But like you said, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a big upgrade for him, but also he's struggled in his first year in a new offense mm. pretty much throughout his career. He's had four previous NFL seasons where it's year one of a new uh, offense and those are his four worst seasons in passer rating, completion rate, yards per attempt, and passing yards per game. So <laughs> volume and efficiency, he's been uh, at his worst. His worst seasons in all four uh, of his of, of all of his years in the league have come in those four years. Uh, so you know, yes, the Saints do have you know Michael Thomas and Olave, but. Um, you know, there could be a, a transition period and the defense is a lot better than this Raider defense. That was one of the worst in the league. Mm -hmm. So you might have the same issue you have with Rogers, which is that he's not going to have to throw as much. And then if he's not as efficient when he's throwing it, it, it you could turn into like Andy Dalton had a pretty efficient year and yeah. he didn't put up many fantasy points because Taysom Hill would come in, take all, exactly. uh, take all the, uh, you know, cause and literally Taysom Hill will come in at quarterback. So that could hurt Carr. Yeah. Um, just like it, it hurt Dalton at times. Uh, for me, I got Tyler Murray, uh, QB 19. And like, you know how I feel about these guys when it, it comes to these guys that people are kind of banking on them coming back mid season and like, Oh, I'm just going to stash them. I, I just don't buy it with, with, with uh, like it, it doesn't work out as much as I think the ADPs would suggest. If you go just uh, back and look over where everyone kind of ends up, but especially with Kyler, you have most reports saying he's going to miss half the season. Um, and it could be more because you, you know, this is a team that they're, they're preparing for next season. You know, yep. this Cardinal team, they stocked up draft assets for next year. So they have, they, they could have the number one and number two pick in the draft because they got the Texans pick next year. I think it's 11 total picks. Um, so if they're, if they start the year, and he's out for, you know, and they start like one in six or one in seven. I don't think they'll be in any rush to bring him back and, and, you know, mess up their draft odds. And on top of that, the Cardinals buy is not a, until week 14. So that means while he's injured, you're not getting to skip his buy. Like if you're stashing him for mid season, he's coming back. And then just as you're fighting for your fantasy playoff spot, he goes on a buy. So I really don't see the the point in drafting him uh, as a top 20 quarterback. And, you know, this, these like we don't know how he's going to be coming off of ACL 
He's also had he missed three games with an ankle in 2021, and then he had two games missed with a thigh last year before the ACL. So he's starting to have a history of lower leg injuries that could impact uh, his scrambling ability, which is obviously major. And uh, you know, like I, I just you know, this team is planning for the future. Their win total is four and a half. So <laughs> like, if you're yeah. expecting Kyler even for you know any substantial amount of time. I think it would be a little higher than four and a half. So like that four and a half kind of tells us that they might be expecting Kyra to to miss most, if not all of the year or or Arizona just kind of shut him down. So um, all those things kind of, I just don't see how you you draft them, you know, with a top as a top 20 quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Just projecting the Cardinals uh, is a disaster right now. We don't like, we don't know what's up with DeAndre Hopkins either, but I agree. It's probably just going to be a throwaway season and it'll be interesting if they have the first pick, you know, next year, do they take Caleb Williams? Do they trade away? What do they do? So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, if he's expected to miss half, half the season, that's, this is way too high. Um, And I'm a fan of, you know, stashing injured guys (laughs) Uh, if they're they're missing a few games, but you know, half the season's a bit much, especially at quarterback. Um, So yeah, that this is way too high, but this is one of those things we have to monitor um, because, you know, he could end up missing three games or something like this. So he'll probably have a volatile uh, projection heading this season, but yeah, 21 or in this 20 range is way too high. Uh, All right, let's go to tight end. Who do you like as undervalued right now? Uh, so I'm going with Sam Laporta. Um, you know, he's going around tight end 24. Um, but, you know, he was one of the big winners uh, of the draft. He was one of the best receiving tight end prospects entering the draft. And he he reminded me of a blend of uh, two other Iowa tight ends and George Kittle and Noah Fant. Um, and the Lions took him, you know, in the second round as a second tight end off the board. He's not a great blocker. So they clearly drafted him for his receiving skills. You know, they, they need the TJ Hawkinson replacement. Uh, and he fits that bill. So I think he should play right away. Um, and after Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, it's it's pretty wide open who will be Goff's number two target. And Goff has a history of targeting tight ends with, you know, TJ Hawkinson, Tyler Higby when he was on the Rams. So uh, I just think there's a ton of upside with Laporta. And, you know, there's a ton of touch on upside. As I was mentioning earlier, you know, I think Goff could easily throw 30 to 35 uh, touchdowns this year. So, um, you know, Laporta in this, you know, tight end 24 range is way too low. Now, rookie tight ends can be a bit of a crapshoot. You know, they tend to struggle a bit more than other positions entering the league. But I think Laporta is pretty polished as a pass catcher. Um, and, you know, he could be, you know, a high-end tight end too uh, right off the bat. So I love getting him in this range right now. Yeah, he's one of those few guys that, you know, there's a lot of these guys at tight end that they just don't have much upside. But Laporta, his, he ran a, a 4.5940. That's in the 91st percentile uh, among tight ends. That's very fast. And as you mentioned, uh, he could take over that that Hawkinson role. You know, the, the coach actually said he's going to play early and often. So yeah. that kind of tells you that, you know, they're looking for that Hawkinson replacement because they'd had a few young guys on the roster last year, but I guess, you know, they weren't doing that. That wasn't, they weren't doing it for him. So uh, yeah, I think Laporta, I mean, upside is probably a, a, a like a Hawkinson rookie year type season. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like it a lot. Uh, I got to go with my guy, Chig Oconquo, uh for Tennessee. He's going as the tight end 14, but I think he should be going as a TE one. He's going kind of on the, in that high end t- tight end two range. Uh, his, there's not a, it's kind of like quarterback. There's just not a lot of tight ends that you could really be confident in or, and that have upside outside, you know, the top few guys. And when you look at Oconquo, 26% target 
target per route run rate. That is immaculate for a tight end. Like that is that is yeah. Chelsea Kelsey Andrews like pushing like that's that kind of that that that's that kind of level. And he led all tight ends with 2.6 yards per route run last year, but he only played on 32%. Uh, he only ran around on 32% of the snaps. Now, Austin Hooper's gone. They only have Kevin Rader, Travon Wesco as the veterans uh, on that roster. Those are blocking guys. And then they drafted Josh Wiley. Uh, and I, I think they have one other guy, like a uh, kind of college free agent guy, but their tight ends on their entire roster outside of Oconco have 10 combined career catches. <laughs> so uh, he there he has the upside to go like this average, the normal starting tight end usually is around 65 to 70% uh, uh, of the uh, routes per drop back uh, on a game to game basis. And he has that, he has that upside for that, for his 32% to double or even more. And with his efficiency, you know, I'm not, I'm saying it's going to obviously regress. You're not going to project yeah. the levels of last year, but he's one of the, like, he's really one of the only guys that, all right, he has the upside to play, you know, almost every down he had, and he has these highly efficient uh, tendencies because he's a super explosive guy. Uh, and so uh, I really like this. I really like him outside of once you get, I mean, even I'll talk about somebody. I think it, like, I think the tight end six is, is, overvalued this year so like <laughs> outside of top five yeah. it's really tough uh to find a guy and i think this is he's like that one guy that has that similar athleticism to you know guys like najoku and and guys who are going a little bit higher that that are in a more solidified position so uh really love Oconquo, and he could you know the way tennessee's going uh it looks like burks and he could be their number two target and if he's getting anywhere close to that 26 percent target per route uh, he could be their number one receiver on a lot of like a lot of weeks. So, um, yeah, love him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he just has massive upside. Um, and if you're playing best ball, he's in a great spot. You know, if you're going for upside, and even redraft leagues, that's yeah. a great spot to go with upside because if he doesn't pan out, you could drop him after a couple weeks. It's no big deal. Uh, but yeah, last year, if like Austin Hooper were to miss a game, and I could project Okonkwo for like run seventy percent routes run. He was like breaking my model. He would have been like a borderline <laughs> yeah. top five tight end. So yeah. um, you might as well, you know, buy in on that. And they didn't really add any weapons uh, in the draft or free agency, nothing. Uh, and yeah. they lost Robert Woods. So, um, you know, he could have some significant playing time and he has just a ton of upside. So, yeah, I love him at tight end 14 range. All right. Who else you got? Um, I'm going with my boy, Greg Dulcich at tight end 17 uh, is roughly where he's going right now. Uh, that's just way too low for Dulcich, who already flashed top 10 upside as rookie last season. And that was, you know, a season where he was already behind the curve, you know, as he missed most of the camp, the entire preseason due to his injury, he didn't make his debut uh, until week six. Um, now the, the one thing is, you know, having the new coaching staff under Sean Payton could hurt Dulcich because there's a chance Albert O, you know, could get back in the mix. Um, oh, I in. forgot he existed. Right, yeah. Like, exactly. literally, I, mean, I literally we, forgot we just, we just blanked him out of our spreadsheet <laughs> last year. But, you know, Sean Payton <laughs> might be like, hey, I like this guy. Let's give him 30% routes around a game or something. Uh, they also brought in Adam Troutman. You know, you know, I wouldn't write him quite off yet. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think overall the new coaching staff should help Dulcich because, you know, I, I don't need to tell you, but Russell Wilson struggled last year. Um, and he struggled to find Dulcich wide open at times. It was infuriating. So, you know, if the coaching staff is able to fix the broken Russell Wilson we saw last year, that could only help Dulcich. So I think, you know, 
I love Dulcich heading in his rookie season. He gave me, you know, TJ Hawkinson vibes uh, at UCLA. So he could be even better in year two. So the fact that we can get him at tight end 17 uh, is criminal. So I love getting him there right now. Yeah, and you kind of hit on it. Like the, I, I did, I did kind of note that that Troutman acquisition. I think because that was the one kind of um, frustrating thing with the Saints last year was that even when Juwan Johnson was playing well, Troutman was mixing in for like 40 percent of the snaps, <laughs> and, and so was Taysom Hill. So there was like a three man rotation. So that is something I think to watch. But it's kind of like th- this tight end. Uh, like the, the, just all the tight ends outside the the top five guys uh, or really outside the top 10, if you want to get, you know, if you want to include some of the low end guys, but it's just ugly. So you got to go with talent and upside. And I, I do think though, such as one of the more talented receiving tight ends th- that you can get at this point in the draft. And he, we have seen him play a large percentage of snaps. So it's not something that's out of the question yeah. here. Um, we, but yeah, we just have to monitor, you know, is, is Troutman going to kind of be like the main blocker or be on an early downs more? Or what, how is that going to kind of shake out? But, um, yeah, as far from a talent perspective, uh, yeah, he's one of the few guys that I think is worth taking a shot on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, for me, the other guy I'm going with is Irv Smith, uh, junior. He's the tight end 22 right now. And, you know, again, like this, this, as you get down here in these tight end ranks, it gets ugly. (laughs) So, you know, I don't even think Smith necessarily has a top five upside or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but I do think he will beat this ADP as long as he's healthy. Uh, Jack Taylor said they expect Smith to play that Hayden Hurst role that, you know, they let Hurst go. He went to Carolina. Now they got a, a hole as far as their, their receiving tight end. So he's a tight end 22. The starting Bengal tight end last year finished above tight end 22 in 11 of 16 uh, or 69%. And they had, you know, top 20 in 10, 10 of the 16 or 63%. So you should beat this ADP with Irv Smith uh, as long as he's healthy. And the, t- the Bengal tight ends got somewhat unlucky last year. They only had three touchdowns. Uh, as you know, the starting tight end only had three touchdowns combined over those 16 weeks and Hayden Hurst only had two, but they would routinely catch, you know, four, four or five balls in the games. And, and Smith does have that kind of talent. And even though it seems like he's been in kind of a guy who's been disappointing us for a while now, he's still only uh, 25, I believe it is. So he's mm-hmm. got some, he's young, he's got some talent and they're going to give him a shot to play this, uh, this starting role. So uh, I, I do think he beats his ADP. Uh, and his projection on any given week that he's healthy is gonna is gonna beat that ADP. It's just can he finally stay healthy? Because uh, he's been he missed uh, four games in twenty twenty, and then the entire twenty twenty one season, and then yeah. he, he missed half the year last year. So it is somewhat of a question mark. I get that. Probably maybe a little safer in redraft, but um, you know he's he's a good candidate to as long as he's on the field, he should beat this ADP easily. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if he stays healthy, he should be a top 20 um, tight end. But that's that's why I love Hayden Hurst heading into last season. Th- yep. This time last year, he was like tight end 33 or something. It was a joke. But um, the, the one hidden upside with, you know, Irv Smith as the Bengals tight end now is 
Um, if Jamar Chase or T Higgins or Tyler Boyd ever miss time, he moves up to, you know, the third target um, in the offense. So that that's kind of where Hayden Hurst had his spiked weeks last year. So you kind of know when you're going to get those spiked weeks. So he's a great, you know, flyer in best ball. And he's, he's sneaky in um, redraft leagues. If you want to just punt tight end, take him to begin the season while he's healthy. And if he gets hurt, you could drop him. But um, yeah, love where he's going right now. All right. What about overvalued tight ends? Uh, I'm going to go with an easy one here. It's Dawson Knox at tight end 15. Again, the explanation is pretty simple. The Bills drafted Dalton Kincaid in the first round. Um, so that was obviously just a massive blow to Knox value. Uh, you know, tight end 15 is way too high for him. Um, now, Knox may play enough and could still be a factor in the red zone. So I think Kincaid, you know, at the tight end 11, tight end 12 range might be a little bit too high for him as well, um, which which sucks because this – this is a situation where you, you want to invest in the Bills passing attack as much as possible, but it's so dicey right now projecting these tight ends that um, as of now, I'd rather take other tight ends in this range. I think both these guys are probably too expensive, but this is one of those things where during the offseason, you know, heading into the season, this is going to pretty, be pretty volatile projecting these guys. But as of now, I, I think I'm staying away from Knox at tight end 15. Yeah, I mean, he just, you know, he, he's never really been able to kind of be a, a true like needle mover. Like I think he puts up good numbers because he's in this Josh yeah. Allen offense. Uh, but I do agree. He might not, his playing time might not change a ton because I, I did hear that they are kind of looking at Kincaid uh, like a slot receiver. So mm. that could be interesting. And that, that could be more bad news for a guy like Khalil Shakir uh, potentially. Yep. So we got to uh, monitor that, but either way, I mean, it wasn't like Dawson Knox was doing, was doing much even last year. He had like that one good year. Um, and then, you know, it kind of, kind of went, came back down to earth a little bit uh, last year. It was very inconsistent. Uh, yeah. For me, I'm going uh, Darren Waller. That's what I was talking about. Tight end six. I, I do not want to invest in Darren Waller at tight end six. I, I do not want to invest it at a tight end at that point in the draft. Um, I, I just think that, you know, we've seen historically after these top few guys, uh, you know, a lot of these tight ends in that, you know, five, six, seven range, they tend to over, uh, over underperform. And Waller just to me is, I mean, it's got it, the warning signs are everywhere. The last three years, his yards per route have gone from 2.3 to 1.7 to 1.6. His targets per route, 27% to 24% to 17% last year. Uh, which is a, a big warning sign. He's 31 years old. He's missed at least six games each of the past two years. Uh, and those are, that was after two years of huge workloads. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know if his body is just, it, it can hold up. And, you know, his red zone efficiency has been going down each of the last three years, 27% touchdown rate to, to 15% to 9% last year. And that's just not, he was never a big touchdown guy. Averaged only 0.3 uh, per game over the last four years combined. And he's coming to an offense that had 17 passing touchdowns in 17 games last year. So, you know, obviously he's going to help Daniel Jones, but I don't see him coming in and just being this super target hog that he was in Vegas. I think the Giants have kind of shown in this Dable offense that, you know, they're they're kind of willing to spread it around. I mean, if you just look at what they're doing at wide receiver, mm -hmm. with, with they have like five, six guys that, could legitimately you know start for them at this point and I think Waller I don't I think he's going to be more of a 
kind of uh, a receiving specialist and he's not going to be in as uh, like a true every down tight end that's going to block on early downs and things like that. I think they're still going to use uh, Bellinger. So um, yeah, I think Waller, I, I know it's, you know, their tight end falls off quick, but yeah. I, I just think it's too high to be investing in the position. If you're not getting a, like a, a guaranteed, you know, locked in stud tight end. And I don't think Waller is that at, at, at you know, the other side of 30 anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when, when it comes to projecting this team, Waller will probably be the top target. Uh, I think he'll be Daniel Jones' top target, but there's just not that many passing yards or rushing yards to go around. Like you alluded to, there's like 47 slot receivers on this team right now. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, but he'll have some competition for targets. But the thing with Waller, as you mentioned, you know, he just can't stay healthy right now. And I think a lot of people forget he was a late bloomer. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't really come on until his like age 27 season. So yeah, like you said, he's going to be 31 when the season starts. So I, I think his body is just breaking down um, and hasn't been able to, to, you know, return from what seemed like simple injuries. So I've made a note on that. Uh, but yeah, like I, I don't really see the appeal here. He has a low floor given his injury history, low-ish upside. So yeah, tight end six is a bit rich for me. Yeah, and he's going like that's not just tight end six. That's like tight end six in like pick fifty to to sixty something. You know, like that's that's a yeah. top five six round pick. That's I just don't want a tight end there. Period. Um, but uh, who else you got for overvalued guys? Uh, I, I think Cole Komet at uh, tight end thirteen is a bit rich. Um, you know, last year we finally saw him. He started to score touchdowns uh, hmm. with Jimmy Graham gone. He scored seven touchdowns. Um, but I, I think he's going to regress. I, I'm projecting him closer to five this year. Just the Bears, you know, you can't project him to throw uh, too many passing yards, too many touchdowns uh, with Justin Fields. So I think with the they added competition for targets this year with DJ Moore um, in the mix now, a full season of Chase Claypool. I think, um, you know, Claypool will be more integrated in the offense in year two. Um, that doesn't bode well for Komet, who you kind of need him to – get that massive volume. Cause like I said, this offense doesn't really produce that. So uh, I think tight end 13 is a bit rich, just given his limited ceiling uh, and, you know, lower floor with, with so many other, you know, guys in this mix and DJ Moore, I, I think will clearly be the number one target in this offense. So that that's why I'm bumping commit down and tight end 13. That is just a terrible, you know, range to take a guy like Komet. Yeah. And a lot of his games came later in the year. Darnell Mooney was out too. Yeah, so Mooney, right. Mooney should be back. Claypool may be more integrated into the offense. So he could be the, you know, number four target. And last year he only averaged four targets a game and, and 2.9 catches. His, his <sighs> catches, his catches and yards went down from 2021. So brutal. Yeah. it there The warning signs are there, but like I said, this is, this is why all the tight ends are just ugly this year. Cause I mean, yeah, they really we're, are. We're like, you know, there's only so many guys that we could be low on. And then it's like, you got to take somebody. Right. But uh, yeah, I agree. I, th- I think Komet is, is a little overvalued. Like I would take Oconquo who goes after him usually uh, yeah. over him. I just think the upside is higher. Um, and the other guy for me, that's overvalued is Mike Gasicki's going at tight end 19. Uh, yeah, this, he's not going to finish tight end 19. <laughs> like going to the Patriots, like he's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, he, he was in on 55% of the routes for Miami last year. He finishes a tight end 34 in fantasy points per game. Now he's going to New England and he's probably taking over that Johnu Smith role. You know, I know they're not exactly the same player, but Johnu was a guy that he didn't block as much there. He was more mm-hmm. in there for receiving. And that's, that's, that was only about, you know, 30 to 35%. Uh, of the routes per game and that kind of makes sense if you look at the salary he took this year 
uh, has about three and a half million guaranteed. Uh, he was coming off a year. Where he, I think it was, he was playing on the tag. If I'm not mistaken, he was making 10.9 mil. So he settled for a 3.5 guaranteed. I think he gets up to an, another mil or so with incentives, but you know, his, va- that's, that's how they see him, his value this year. It's, 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 he, I don't think he's going to be uh, the starter over Hunter Henry because he can't block. That's why he fell out of favor in Miami. So, you know, he's in these, this Patriot team, they're already a nightmare to predict on a week to week basis, <laughs> you know, with all their receivers about it. <laughs> whopping in and out. And I know, I mean, Matt Patricia's gone. So that, that's, that's, that's the only good thing about, uh, I think for their offense in terms of maybe, maybe they get some, go back to what was working a little more in 2021. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a kind of specialist, uh, a receiving specialist, and he's not going to be in nearly even as much as he was last year for the Dolphins. So uh, yeah, Gasicki tied at 19, way too high. Yeah, I was not a fan of this landing spot. And, you know, Gasicki is still one of the better pass catching tight ends in the league. So I was hoping, you know, the Cowboys or the Lions, you know, before the draft. So Bengals, yeah. Bengals, he would have oh, he, he played that that oh. Hayden Hurst role perfectly. Oh, that would have been perfect. So yeah, it's a it's a bummer because you know on the Patriots, you know, they're in a Hunter Henry there. So it's it's a tough situation. So yeah, I agree. Right now, he's my tight end 22. Um, and even that seems a bit high, but that that's just a vol situation. Just I don't really see the upside in taking him here. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Cause I think Henry's still it's like, he's going to be the starter. Yeah. He's the guy he can block and catch, you know, Gesicki yep. only does one of those. He'll be the one catching things. the touchdowns too. I right. bet. So Gesicki will be sort of between the twenties and Henry will be, you know, the red zone weapon. So that it, it's just a terrible landing spot for Gesicki. Yeah. And Henry goes after Gesicki in most leagues. So that's actually, yeah. not that I think Henry's <laughs> going to have this amazing season, but I think Henry's role is going to change less than. than right. Uh, all right. That is going to wrap it up for our fantasy flex Quarterback and tight end stock watch episode. We will have our uh, running back episode next week and wide receivers after that. So be sure to keep checking back to the channel. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker and me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app or actionnetwork.com as well. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.